There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network for October 25th, 2021. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle, Sauce Boss from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Jackson, tell me what the word is. What is the word? Yo, uh, the word. Tell me what's on your mind. What's going on with you? What, what's, let me tell me, tell me about you. Tell me about you. Let's work, let's work through it, whatever the problem is. <laughs> no, nah, I had family in town this weekend. It was great. Hung out with them. Uh, Where'd you go? We actually, we actually went to Napoli on Friday night. Oh, look at you. Yeah, peacocking around a little bit. I'd never eaten there before. Did you see my wife there? You've I, met Anna Marie once. Uh-huh, yeah, but I so didn't. So she had a, a, a girl's, one of her friend's dinners, uh-huh. and they get together as a group. Yeah. And it's becoming a source of consternation amongst a healthy portion of the group. But when they want to get a table, they have a, you know, they, they, they can get a big table there. So yeah. it works. Uh-huh. But as married women for the scene. Yeah. Not conducive. I hear what you're right. saying. Right. But you, as a 23-year-old strapping lad, <laughs> I mean, you had to just be kid in a candy store. Yeah. Especially with my aunt, uncle, cousins, and parents all around. It so was... they could cheer you on <laughs> yeah. as, you went to, as you went to score. Yeah. No, but the, the food was good and just hung out. The weather was supposed to be bad all weekend. It really wasn't that bad all weekend, but it was. I know we dodged it. Yeah. So hung out and just enjoyed not much good college football on, but. uh, No, bad, bad, bad. But, you know, for me, I'm not telling, you know, so before people come after me, there was some good NBA basketball on too. Oh, nice. Good good for you. I enjoyed it. I'm glad you can get that that. going. Yeah, I enjoy it. What are you going to do? We welcome our listeners to participate in this podcast by emailing in, and many have. Uh, we are, we are at an all time high here on the, on the emails, uh, team McKernan at inside STL.com. And I try really not to filter unless it's one where it's like, Hey, this motherfucker that you guys work, you know, something where it's like, getting yeah. into, now, of course we, because it's a podcast, we can always edit it. If I get done and go, Ooh, we probably shouldn't have gone there. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I just go from the top to the bottom of the folder and we had a million last week. And how many did I wind up answering? Uh, two and a and half. Then I kind of read the one that got to you and not... And then needing mm-hmm. 48 hours notice for anal sex yeah, yeah. at the very end. Yeah, so kind of like two and a half. I, I classify that as two and a half. So it's 10.04 uh-huh. as we speak right now, and I'm going to leave by 11.20. Okay. How many will we go through this week? I'll set the over-under at three and a half. Okay. So you like that? Five and a half felt like free money. Oh, it was yeah, like the Missouri-Texas A&M line. <laughs> yeah, that one was easy money. Uh, three and a half. I'll, I'll still take the under. I'll, I'll take. I'll, we'll do three. I bet I'll, we'll do three. So that my not the number of three and a half. Three is my number. So the under will be safe. All right, Jackson's still going under. We'll see. I don't know. I mean, because uh, let's see, three have been sent in within the last hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, so. That, uh, that is, uh, these are fresh, so I haven't read them because I've been on the radio doing the program. We're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. 
Realtor.com. Uh, if you are interested in buying a home, you got to get pre-approved right now, brother. This is the time to make sure you do and you can get it done because I've done it. I've done it a couple times here in 2021. Uh, do it. Go into the homeloanexpert.com and then on top of it, you're working with the staff and they just knock it out so quickly. It's so easy that once you do it, you go, man, why did I even mess around with not doing it? And now you're going into buying a home uh, in a better position than before, certainly, and potentially than the people you're competing with for the home. Secondarily, to refinance, rates as low as uh, Ryan has seen in years and some lower than what we've seen around here in decades. So take advantage of it and go to the homeloanexpert.com and refinance. You can save three, three hundred. $350, Ryan talks about a guy. I mean, just knocking that off your payment, that's just interest. You might as well do it. I refinanced in April of last year, and part of me is like, maybe I should refinance again because I can save even more. It's incredible. Go to the homeloanexpert.com. Once you do go to the homeloanexpert.com, make sure you're working with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. 314-961-4800. Go online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is my insurance agent. He just celebrated 10 years in business this past Saturday. What a great time that was. It really was a good time. My wife and son went to the uh, the festivities he had in downtown Webster on Saturday. Congratulations to James. Not a surprise to me. He's been in business for 10 years. The only thing that's surprising is he's a young man, but uh, 10 years in business with the way he does business, the staff he has, um, he's only going to continue to grow. And I am so happy I made the switch to James Carlton. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. It's James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. And Munganast is the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show podcast and the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Go online at stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. And work with Jamie Burkhardt. Work with Clayton Patterson. Got an email from a listener uh, over the last night, like at 6 o'clock last night, as a matter of fact. Let me read it. I'm going to read it again. I read it on the radio. I'll read it here. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for putting me in touch with the people at St. Louis Acura. Seriously, they were better than advertised. 100% the easiest, least stressful car buying situation I've ever had. Jamie and Clayton exceed the hype from start to finish. Clayton and my salesman, Nathan, were great to work with, so laid back and up front along the way. Everyone was friendly and helpful. No one was pushy or overbearing. Cannot recommend them enough. Vehicles almost sell themselves. So happy with the entire process. There it is. Munganess, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com, the official automotive provider of the Tim McKernan Show podcast and the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Uh, I want to make sure I say this, too. Um because at this moment, we're kind of like, we're not going aggressive with the promotion on Sound Story. But Jackson, we have two tomorrow. Yep. I will be out of town November 12th through Thanksgiving um, as we are going on a vacation. Uh, we always go on vacation in November, uh, going back to like 2009 or 10, first time we started going to, uh, to Sanibel. It's where we got married 10 years ago on November 19th. And uh, so we'll be out of town for family vacation. Um, therefore, if you want a sound story and I love to do them, I love to do them. T McKernan at InsideSTL.com is how you can email me or you can go online at mysoundstory.com. And, uh, it's a, I mean, it really truly is a perfect gift for the holidays. It is, uh, my brothers and sister and I did it for my parents for Christmas in 20, 2019. Um, and all we did was we got together and came in here in the studio and we just told stories about you know, not only our childhood, but also the way I would say it, and it, and it may sound morbid, but it's, it, I think people will recognize it when I say it, 
say the things that you usually hear said at a eulogy when the people you're saying them about can hear them. Um, so certainly, you know, of, of the I, I, we've done a bunch of these at this point, but I'm usually interviewing the grandparents or the parents for the kids, for the grandkids. Well, it works both ways. I can interview you, your family, or Doug can interview you, your family, um, about, you know, your experience with your grandparents, your, you know, your parents, wife. I mean, you know, now that we're coming up on our 10th uh, wedding anniversary, I think to myself, I would have loved, and if there, if this would have been around, I would have done it. I might have gotten it for my wife for our wedding, as a matter of fact, just coming in and talking about what happened on our wedding weekend. Because, yeah, you can, of course, remember things, but they, they slip away with time. When my son was born, I sat down and I wrote everything that happened from the moment that my wife woke me up at like four in the morning saying she was in labor until he was delivered. Um, and it's always there and I'm grateful that I did that. You know, now it's been four years. Occasionally I'll go back and read it and I'll be like, man, I forgot about that. Oh yeah, that part, man, that part. Um, so that's a way to encapsulate it. Plus it just means something. Um, and it, it's, it's a thoughtful gift and for you and your siblings or you just as a, you know, only child or whatever for your, you and your cousins, for your grandparents, whatever it is for the holidays to present that as a gift um, not only would it mean a lot, I think, and entertain your your family members, but also you know it would mean the world that you can express your appreciation for the way you were raised and the things they did for you. Um, and, and like I said, you say the things that you would say at a eulogy while the people can still hear it. That is, that's really what it's all about. And then on the other side, of course, the sound story, and now it's happened again. I got an email from a gentleman, I think it was last week, Jackson, who's uh, who we interviewed. Uh, one of the first ones, actually, we ever interviewed. And he said, you know, he passed away this week. Um, or he passed away, I think he had passed away recently uh, in September. And he said, but the fact that I have that interview and I can hear him, and I will always be able to hear him because of that, you just can't put a dollar value on it. And that really, when it gets down, that's essentially, you know, that's what it's, that's what it's about. It is, it is something that we love doing. Don't get me wrong. It's business. I'm not going to like hide that, but you know, I don't know what isn't a business, but it is so fulfilling. And for the holidays, it is absolutely perfect. And it's so easy You knock it out. You don't even have to do anything. It's like buying a gift certificate, except the person comes in and Jackson and I handle the uh, work and you get an audio file emailed to you. And now you have that thing. Uh, it couldn't be any easier. So, um, we do, and we also do gift certificates. You can get gift, gift certificates at mysoundstory.com also. So you can knock out your holiday shopping right then and there, mysoundstory.com or email me. I'm happy to work through it. And, uh, we do, um, discounts for, uh, multiple interviews. T McKernan at insidestl.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at insidestl.com. All right, Jackson, here's question number one. You took the under. Let's see what we got. I'm just going from, this one was sent in at 9.45 this morning, and it's 10.12 as I'm talking. Tim, whenever the show experiences streaming issues and textures <laughs> complain, Doug often comments that the show is live now. Quote, why are these textures complaining? Just listen to it live, etc. It got me thinking about the reasons why textures would feel this way, and it's my belief that it's tied into the long-form segments, but also the ebbs and flows of not only all the callbacks to former years or eras, but even micro callbacks within that same show or even segment. This is also the blueprint for composing the best email of the day. 
Meanwhile, while it's true, a meaning while it's true that it's a show where listeners can drop by or cycle on, cycle off. Ah, yes, cycle. It's more true that TMA is a show best consumed in chronological order via streaming because the payoffs are bigger if you're in on all the inside jokes and callbacks to earlier segments. It's also why a show like Swope's Picks can exist because, yes, it's great for longtime listeners to revisit earlier themes, but it's also an instrument for newer listeners to educate themselves on prior eras and topics because it will serve to make the TMA experience that much richer moving forward. So sorry for the long preamble, but the question really is, do you think there's anything to listeners having different show experiences dependent upon how they consume the show via podcast versus live? And as you look toward the future, how or how, how or does that impact monetization strategies moving forward? Thanks. Submitted anonymously, even though I've emailed you before and you know my name. Uh, all right. It's a great question. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, I will yield the floor to you so I can pause from talking and enjoy a libation. God bless. Um, I really like that email. I think that's in-depth. It's astute. Yeah, I really like that. And I think I, I gravitated towards one point about, you know, the, the callbacks from the callback can be from 10 years ago or it can be from 10 minutes ago. And I think that's a really cool uh, idea. That was like, that's kind of my idea with the best ofs. And I know it's Swope's ideas with Swope's pick is to try to, you know, not only just like revisit for longtime listeners, but also introduce new listeners to stuff they may hear on the show and not really understand. So I think that's a really cool element of that. And uh, it's definitely why, like with best ofs, I really take my time and try to pick out the best stuff so that people get a better idea. Like if they never heard Jackie's No Holes or a Douglas schedule reading, then this is a, it's a really good context for them that they don't have to go back and look themselves that we can provide for them. So that's definitely, it's an astute point and I really like it. Uh, and it's a complex question. Half of it kind of went over my head. I'll be honest with you. I loved the question. And I also will agree wholeheartedly with submitted anonymously, even though I almost just gave his name because I'm looking <laughs> at it, uh, that this is a show. It's funny. We were you were with, yeah, it was me, you, Raby, and Skip Berkmeyer on Friday. Uh -huh. And you heard Skip talking about the show, right? Yeah. And then Raby said he was very complimentary of Raby on the show, Skip uh -huh. was. And also very complimentary of you. No yeah. compliments toward me. And I'm very insecure. And I kind of <laughs> feel like, but uh, what, what, he, what, what Chris then said was that it's the first time he's ever done a show. And he said the show is rare. And this was Raby's own observation. Uh -huh. And that the show is like its own story. Yeah. And so if you miss a part of the story, then you're not really getting the show. Yeah. And so therefore, now what Doug is saying is, you know, like when he says block him, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's almost like part of an act in a way. 100%. So I, I don't think he's really saying that from a serious perspective. I also think it's only fair to assess. Um, Doug is not a podcast guy. So, you know, for him, it's a different listening experience when he drops by shows. I don't have a show at this moment because the only show I really grew up and listened to was Howard Stern. But now the only thing I listen to with Stern are the interviews that I feel that way about, but I'm sure they exist where it's so, I mean, it, TMA is an inside joke wrapped inside of an inside joke wrapped inside of an inside joke that was really based in its formation of being an inside joke of kind of being a daily show for sports talk radio, um, mocking it, you yeah. know, mocking the interviews, mocking the takes, mocking like how seriously guys take themselves when all we're doing is giving 
usually incorrect, uninformed opinions about sports and then making predictions and then acting like we didn't make them. Yeah. I mean, that is, and, and then we're going to act like we're badasses. I mean, what the <laughs> fuck? It couldn't be a le- less important job. So I agree with submitted anonymously because for this show, each each day is like a chapter in the story, yeah. but then there are like different sections of the chapter based on the topic. Like if you dropped in today and Iggy's bowling, like Raby did, because yeah. Raby's coming in when Doug leaves. Yeah, it's perfect. So little, he wasn't aware. Yeah, yeah, it's an example. Yeah. He wasn't aware of Iggy's speech and he wasn't aware of what Iggy wore, you know, and, and the things that the audience that had been listening all morning. So I can't imagine it really is actually kind of, I mean, it wasn't the plan because when we started the show, there wasn't podcasting, but you know, it's an, it's a, if it, if we did start it now, it would be a ballsy business model because it is a show that is really based on the show and not the activities going on in sports. No. Yeah. So it would be difficult to then essentially ask the, the listeners for three hours of, you know, commitment to it. Yeah. And I know not everybody does, but if you're dropping in and we're not talking about a topic I would imagine you're going, what in the world is this? Like, that's why we, we've talked about it before, Jackson, the text inbox. I mean, you see the number of texts we get. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the number is. I mean, certain days there's more than others, but I mean, it's, it's, it's well into the hundreds, yeah. some days in the thousands. Yeah. And I just can't keep up with them. And yeah. some people don't realize that we get that many and they're like, why don't you read my text? Am I blocked? Do you hate me? You know, it's, and it's just like, you know, what's in front of me. Yeah. Some people, because I see the name, I know they're good, yep. that they have more cachet, so to speak, but uh, that the listeners are active and they're listening live, but also a number of people go back and podcast. Um, but they podcast because that's the way that they consume audio now, but they also podcast because they don't want to miss anything. Yep. So yeah, that's, uh, that's really submit cool. anonymously is right on. Yeah, yeah, it's different. It's not like, okay, I want to go to that. I mean, we did have Derek Gould on. So if you just want to hear Derek Gould say about Ali Marmol getting hired, great. It's there. But if you want whatever dumb shit, and I don't even know what we started with today. What did we, I guess Marmol, that's yeah. what we started with. Yeah, and, then, and then like 15 minutes in, we were on Iggy's Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's just how it goes. The other day, it was a while ago, but... There was an inside joke that I didn't know about, and I've been listening Which for a while. Which one was this? Do you know what it was? Yeah, it was uh, uh, the blues coach, Hare Davis Payne, oh. <laughs> that I didn't know that the name Hare Davis Payne came from. <laughs> but so, I'd heard it for years Joe, listening to the show. Joe, like, spelled his, I don't know what he wrote. <laughs> I don't know if he wrote head instead of head coach. Yeah. You know, as if we needed to, like, oh, that's who it is, <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, but the spelling was terrible and it looked like Hair Davis Payne. <laughs> yeah, and that's crazy that the, the Blues head coach's nickname would be Hair. hair and, uh, and on top of it, he had, you know, he had a bad hair situation. So yeah. it probably sounded like a shot when in reality it was Joe's uh, terrible handwriting. All right, question number two. That's dangerous. I've already gotten, I've already gotten one. Yeah. And I'm not manipulating this no, thing. You're to not. I mean, I could, this could be it right here. Yeah, but now this, this could go 60 As minutes. you see, I, oh, I need yeah. to pack a lunch for this one. Yeah, here we go. I hey, still Tim, like under. I, I, <laughs> you could live bet it. You're still going under. Yep. Under three and a half. Hey, Tim, I have heard you mention that your love of baseball has faded over the years and can't help but relate to that feeling. My love of baseball has also diminished greatly over the last several years, and I initially equated that to essentially saying that I had experienced all that a fan could ask for over my years of being a fan, like McGuire breaking Maris's home run record the 2004 season, Witnessing in person Edmonds Game 6 walk-off home run, the 2006 World Series run, the 2011 playoff run, uh, Holiday versus Carpenter. What am I missing on that? 
Roy Halladay. Oh, Halladay. Okay, yeah. yes, yes, yes. I was about to say, what happened with Matt Holiday, Chris, uh, <laughs> Chris Carpenter, Matt Carpenter? Freeze Game Six, and even 2012 Game Five. Yeah, I mean that that's a, that's incredible in of itself. If if we didn't have 2011 Game Six, we would talk about 2012 Game Five. Yeah. Uh, like I think Royals fans talk about a game against the A's, mm -hmm. for example. Um, Let's see. Uh, with all these events, I simply thought that my love would just inherently dwindle, but I have had numerous conversations with friends about my excitement, not just for Cardinal baseball, but the game in general, and have come to the same conclusion that the game that I grew up watching and the game I had read about is dead. You speak about how much of a baseball nerd you were and gave the example on TMA last week about nerding out when wanting to talk strategy with Tony LaRusse about Davy Johnson's decision to pitch to Pete Cosma. And like you, I used to love to talk strategy with others. I wouldn't call that nerding out, though. To me, talking strategy is what baseball's about, all about. When to hit and run, when to bunt, when to bring in a different pitcher, how to construct the lineup, and all are things, all things talking strategy. However, it seems to me that the game has went too far into Moneyball. It's all about analytics. Exit Vila, launch angle, hard hit rate, etc. Those things are nerdy and not inclusive of what a regular fan would find interesting. Simply... Uh, stats like batting average runs, home runs, runs batted in, earn run average are enough to keep a fan engaged. It makes baseball unique. But when you start getting into the weeds on these other analytical numbers, along with how the game is played, it's a perfect storm for running fans away from the game, not bringing them to the game. The game is so boring nowadays with the outcome seemingly always being either walk, strike out or home run. Games have always been long. They will continue to be long, but the difference between baseball and a sport like football is that in football, there is action, Sure, not constant like basketball or hockey, but something happens every play. You see action. In baseball, you can go 30 or 60 seconds until balls in play. You can go longer than that. That's boring. Along with that is the fact that teams now play the defensive shift. And while that never occurred when I was watching growing up, best believe that if Ozzie Smith came up to bat and was batting left-handed and the infield had three players on the right side of the infield, he was spraying the ball the other way. Today's player, because of analytics, doesn't care about that and won't spray the ball to the other side because he's been told analytics say there's a greater chance of scoring a run by hitting it where he always hits it. It makes no sense, and it's why baseball's dying. Old school fans don't have anything in common with the new style of baseball, and more people won't be able to relate with prior history because things are so different now. I apologize for the long email. Thank you. That's from Dan. Another great email. Yeah. Granted, lengthy, but I have no problem with it because it was all relative to the point he was making. I agree. I don't know what to say. I have zero interest in watching the World Series. Zero. Literally zero. When I got the text last night that the Cardinals are holding a Zoom press conference, which is going on as we speak to introduce Ali Marmol as manager, I'm like, ah, I thought the World Series started tomorrow. You know, <laughs> I don't even know when it starts. I have no idea. I don't care. Yes, I'm the same way. Uh, it was Saturday night. We had gotten home, Jackson, from going to dinner. My uh, in-law's 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, and, mazel tov. God bless. And yeah. I mean, that's incredible. It's incredible for a wide variety of reasons. They're such great people. Um, and, um, you know, got home at like 10 or something. And then uh, Sudeikis was hosting Saturday Night Live. So watch that. we wanted to watch that. And uh, I was downstairs in the basement. And Marie comes down. She goes, you want to watch Saturday Night Live? I'm like, oh, this is getting late for me now. We're now at 10.35. <laughs> I said, let me watch. I just want to watch the end of the Dodgers-Braves game because they're three outs away from winning the, winning the pennant. And, you know, she just kind of like read while it was on. And I'm like, okay, 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 they won. All right, we can switch it up. And I'm just like, whatever. Yeah. Don't care. And then there were empty seats right behind home plate, which is just, I realized that's probably because they cost some ridiculous amount, but God, what a terrible atmosphere just visually that creates. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
but but again, I, I think it's important anytime I have this conversation to hammer home what I grew up on. And that's been gone for a long time. And that's the stolen base and the AstroTurf. Not that I want AstroTurf to come back, but I grew up on, it's like if you were a Rams fan, now you are a mathematical outlier with loving the 2010 through 2015 Rams. But if you grew up and you were born in like 85 or 90, mm -hmm. and then your first introduction to football was the 99, were the 99 Rams and 2000 Rams and 2001 Rams and to an extent the 2003 Rams, you know, you, you get, you got spoiled. And yeah. I had the 82, 85, 87 Cardinals. And even the, even the years they didn't go to the playoffs, they were entertaining to watch uh, because of the stolen base. So there's that. But I know that in the 2000s, I was dangerously, not dangerously, strangely, my moods would swing based on a Cardinal regular season game outcome. And I was in my 20s working at KMOV. Mm -hmm. So I'd be in the locker room sometimes yeah. after games more upset about a loss than the guys who just played it. Yeah. I'm just like, this is a little weird, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's happened pretty quickly. The Cardinals lost to the Dodgers. The Cardinals, the, the thing with the Padres last year, I don't count. But the Cardinals lost to the Dodgers. I know part of it was we had to do a post-game show, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get up at 5.30, and now it's 11.30, and the game's still not over, and we got to do a post-game show. But, I mean, that was a 1-1 game. It started at 7-10, and it was 11-something in a 1-1 game until Chris Taylor's home run. And when it ended, I was like, okay, you know. Whereas I was so, this is a basketball story. I don't know if I've ever heard, I told you my, I have two Charles Barkley stories. Have you ever heard either? I don't think so. Okay, well, one is really simple. We just ran into him in the lobby of our hotel after the Missouri-Auburn game in I've Atlanta. I've heard a lot of stories about people meeting him at hotel bars. That he was on his, <laughs> he was on his way. I don't know where the picture went. Um, I don't know where the hell it is. I guess this, I guess, I don't know. Anyway, uh, it's Anna Marie and, and, uh, and Charles uh, right after Auburn won. He couldn't have been cooler. But in 2001, I had met a uh, lass um, who was going out with, at the time, uh, Mike Compton, who is the uh, who was the offensive lineman on the Patriots who would wind up beating the Rams? Uh -huh. So I think it was pretty clear that she wasn't looking to engage with me. I was in a relationship. Um, now the next year things changed, and I rejected it, which is really odd. Look at you. By the way, yeah. I know, but I was kind of at the start of a relationship, and I'm just like, ah, I'm going to try to, you know, yeah, keep this going, right? Uh, but we were, we were in Scottsdale. And the Cardinals and Diamondbacks were getting ready to play game five of the, the best of five series. Mm -hmm. And the 2001 Cardinals were similar to the 2021 Cardinals. They didn't have a 17-game winning streak, but they'd gotten really hot. And I felt like if they beat the Diamondbacks, they really could win the World Series. It was kind of a, you know, you expected them to beat the Braves who were waiting in the NLCS. And then the Diamondbacks did, and they went on to beat the Yankees. And I told her, she goes, let's go out afterwards. Not like a, hey, let's bang. It wasn't yeah. like that because she's with the guy who's playing in the NFL. Right. You know, and, and I, I look differently than an offensive lineman. You might not be able to tell it, but just I'm just a telling bit. you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So it wasn't, that, that vibe wasn't going on. And she goes, well, I think Barkley wants to hang out, as in Charles. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. I said, I, if the Cardinals win, I'm in. If they lose, I'm out. And she's like, what in the world? You know, and she's a nice looking woman and, yeah. you know, going, what is the deal with this guy? You know, I thought this guy was, you know, whatever, somebody I wanted to hang out with. And he won't go out if, if the baseball team loses. 
and we're going to be hanging out. I think it was like the Ritz Carlton in Scottsdale with Charles Barkley. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I just said, I know it sounds weird. Yeah. So the Cardinals lose in heartbreaking fashion, mind you. Uh, Tony Womack base hit to left, and uh, Tony uh, has a Womack with the hit, or did Womack score? Either way, it was a, it was brutal. It's the only time I've ever seen baseball players cry in the locker room. I've seen hockey players. I saw the Rams cry after they lost to the Patriots. Not all of them, but uh, I remember Marshall Falk was like passionately like trying to explain something to some of the guys on the staff afterwards. That's what I remember about that. But I do remember seeing like like Archuleta crying. Um, but I remember seeing Vina crying after this one and some other guys crying because I think that team felt like they could win yeah. and that was a heartbreaking way to lose. And uh, and I get back to the hotel and uh, she's like, let's go out. And I'm like, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Oh, and she goes, I'm picking you up. So I'm just coming there and I'm like, oh, okay, fine. So I go. And then I'm glad I did because we did hang out with Barkley, some NBA ref. Um, and it was just like five of us just sitting there drinking. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. And I mean, I, at the time, I guess I kind of took it for granted. Um, and you know, but I mean, he was, it was, you know, I mean, we were involved in a conversation. I almost feel like he's a bigger deal now, as weird yeah. as that might sound oh, yeah. than he was then. Now in Phoenix where he played and, and won a Western conference, um, you know, I, I assume it's kind of like, you know, Ozzie Smith, Brett Hall. Yeah, you know. he lives out. Yeah, he lives in that yeah. Scottsdale area. But yeah, I mean, we were just in our own little, like, part of the bar and his BS. And then it, the, it was her name, not that it matters, but it was me, her, and Barkley walking out. And then as we were walking out, Matt Morris. Yeah, Matty Mel. Uh, and Daryl Kyle were walking in. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'm sure they were like, oh, what in the, there's Charles Barkley. And there's that <laughs> little goofball who we see around the clubhouse. And who is the girl with the ridiculous body that they're both leaving with? And why? Yeah, it's like a mad <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, confused as can be. But that's what, that's what happened. And I was so, like, the idea that 20 years ago that I wasn't going to leave the hotel because the Cardinals would lose a game mm -hmm. to hang out with Charles Barkley yeah, and Sir a Charles. really attractive, really attractive. I don't know if she was in Playboy. She, I don't know. So she had something else going on too. Uh, is insane to me. Yeah. Now I look at that and I go, what was I thinking? And I also have to say, I feel like ah, I should have bangled. What's her name? You know, <laughs> I, I really, I, in 2002, if I'm not mistaken, we were at a stag bar in Scottsdale because the Cardinals played the Diamondbacks again in 2002 in the NLDS. This time they won and swept them. And we went to a stag bar, and I feel like I was with another sportscaster who was certainly in a cuck-like role <laughs> <laughs> because it was me and her, and I don't know who the other guy was, but we were at a strip bar, and I don't feel like it's somebody who's usually at a strip bar. Yeah. But I know there was another person with me. I wonder who it was. Whatever. I don't know if I'll ever remember. Um, and then we're leaving the strip bar and she had gotten a lap dance and had gotten a little into it. Ooh. So I'm in a good place. Yeah. And she's naturally. like, I'm coming to your hotel. And I'm like, eh, I, I got, I'm, I'm kind of in a relationship and I can't, God, and I was, actually I wasn't at the start. I was at the end of a relationship. Oh, now I really should have banged what's your name. <laughs> And, uh, and I just didn't want to cheat. I mean, that's just it. I don't know what to say. No, I know, I know, I, mean, I know it might sound admirable, 
but I'm not happy about it. Yeah, well, yeah, that <laughs> definitely takes off some but of the is, shine. And I remember, and I had just started doing radio. Jay would never remember this. Um, but I, I remember coming back and I go, yeah, I was out. And he was like, how, how is Scottsdale? <laughs> and I, and I'm sure I told the story. And he goes, well, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing there. You yeah, know? But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, this is the truth. Uh-huh. Um, either way, point being, see, this is how we get, this is how the undercovers. This is guy how asks about why he's not interested in baseball anymore. And I'm talking about lesbianism in Arizona 20 years ago with the round Charles mound Barkley, of rebound with Charles Barkley involved. <laughs> um, that's, that's why it's called the Adderall sessions. Yep. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm just not there. I don't know if I will ever be there again. I don't know what could put me there again. Um, I'm thinking my son's yeah. sports. I'm thinking if my son, uh, or future son is emotionally attached to a team and they experience a heartbreaking defeat, then I can imagine it. But I guess if Missouri got to the national championship, whether it be football or basketball, certainly much more football, all due respect, Jackson, mm-hmm. then maybe just because I haven't seen it. Yeah. But now the Blues, I mean, it's like, okay, I've seen it. Yeah. And so that part of the thrill of it is, like you ask any Red Sox fan, what meant more to them if they were around for both? You know, 2004 or 2007, there's no doubt in my mind what it is, yeah, you know? Tough four. Yeah. Right. And so they'll never have 2019 again. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of lost. It's kind of lost it for me. So I want to, I want to make sure I include that. Cause I think maybe because they've been in the playoffs so much that we got spoiled. And I think that factors into it. Yeah. But if you take it outside of St. Louis, the national numbers for young people watching baseball are low NFL and NBA, which we don't have. That's where the young people are. If not soccer, if not esports. Uh, and by soccer, I mean globally, yeah. Europe, not MLS, all due respect, uh, just not on the payroll. No. So um, that's, I, 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 and here's another thing, and this was brought, two things on this that, that just came to me this weekend. One was from a tweet I saw, and one was my own observation. From a tweet I saw, and I don't know where you are on this, because I certainly am more into the baseball strategy thing than you are. But somebody pointed out that, like, the Dodgers are, you know, they decided not to start Scherzer. Part of that was health. But, you know, it used to be, used to look ahead for the pitching matchups in playoff series. And that's what they'd be built around. You know, game five of that NLDS I was talking about was Schilling versus Matt Morris. When Matt Morris was as good as anybody. He really was. I mean, he went toe-to-toe with Schilling twice. Uh, Woody Williams, who I know didn't carry the cachet of Randy Johnson, but went against Randy Johnson. Um, you know, it was a big deal what the starting pitchers were. Well, now it's like you don't know until a couple hours, and then might be the starter might be in for an inning. It's just, yeah. it's just a different, it's a different deal. And you could say, well, the games change, and that's fine. Games certainly change; they evolve. Look at the NBA twenty years ago versus what the NBA is now. Mm-hmm. But this product isn't as attractive. Now, this product may optimize your chances to win, but it's not as attractive. Yeah. Um, if it were, the numbers would be better, whether it be the attendance or television ratings. They're just not. Which then gets me into the television part. With all the DraftKings I play and the Tam Avenue Capital Partners, we were hunting yesterday. Ooh. We were hunting. Yeah. yeah, it was a... And then, sure, I mean, we were winning. I'll go into the numbers. Fuck it, because I only own 10% of it. Uh, we had $3,000 worth of rosters, and at, at 5.45 Central... We were winning like eighty five hundred, 
And by the time the final snap was taken, the main slate is the 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. games. Yeah, uh, we were at 2,700. Yeah. So we had lost 50. We now we, we so we lost 300 dollars for the day, and we lost what 5,000 dollars in a matter of a half hour because yeah. you just got to have the right players. And we had Mike Evans, and the Bears were so bad that they didn't yeah, need to throw. And so that's throw. who you know. And I don't know who scored for the other games, but either way, that's what happens. Jamar Chase was getting Jamar Chase was a noon game, and we had a lot of Jamar Chase. I figured. Uh, probably Cooper Cup, I would imagine. He's just like... Yeah, but that was the afternoon. Though. I know, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay, because yeah. we yeah, were yeah. 545, so oh, the yeah. 3 o'clock games he had a monster were impacting game. it. Yeah, that's what ha- I would imagine that's what it had because he was owned by a lot of people. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, when I get done entering these rosters and all the people who are involved in the group, and I'm the only one who handles the rosters, and I build out... I want to, I want, let, me, let me show you, because I showed you the health chart. And now, mm-hmm. you, now you've got to like sign an NDA <laughs> uh, because you've seen the health chart. Yeah. But this is... What? Oh, this is the, well. This is a screenshot of it. This isn't the whole, but that's just that is what I. Oh wow! Build out. Yeah. With the names, prices, floor, ceiling, ownership projections, a variety of different little factors here for every player, for every roster I build, hand build. I don't use an optimizer. Maybe I should. Um, and it is a process. And then at noon, I will turn on the red zone channel, mm-hmm. and. It is just like heaps of cocaine. Yeah, it's and, great stuff. And it's just, and you go from that to like flipping over to a baseball game. Oh, it's, yeah, it's like watching paint dry. Like when they like go, oh, you know, and Bill Cowers back in the studios in New York with an update and they'll immediately pull out of that. Like yeah. they're irritated. They're going to a commercial break. They pull out of that. Yeah. They even show you a punt. There's just, it's just, it's so like you're irritated if they show the field goal and then they're yeah. like still showing, like move on. It's so good. Yeah. And that gets me back to what I really believe. And I haven't heard other people talk about it. It doesn't mean that they're wrong and I'm right or that I'm a takesmith. But I really do believe that subconsciously our brains, especially younger people's brains, are programmed for a different set of consumption when it comes to sports and just and just our consumption in general. Yeah, We only consume what we want. Yep. And it's packaged to give us what we want. Like we were just talking about with the podcast of a radio show. Yeah. That's how people access, younger people access their content now. To sit and listen to a three-hour radio show that's kind of disjointed would seem foreign to a 20-something or a teenager. Yeah, exactly. You know, I grew up uh, right at the beginning of, like, TiVo being the most popular Mm -hmm. thing, just recording. So I've had on-demand content for the majority of my life, therefore... I wouldn't like, there's no reason for me, like watching commercials is almost like foreign to yep. me. Like I'd never watch commercials ever. And so the idea to watch a whole baseball game, which is sometimes feels like a really long commercial. It's just not in what I want to do. Like I wouldn't, I don't want to do that. And like you said, it comes down to the quick, fast, shorter attention span we have. So we need stuff happening now. And I don't think getting rid of the shift or yeah, getting just, away from analytics are going to change that. I, I Listen, as somebody, the reason why I chose this career was because I wanted to be the Cardinal play-by-play guy. Uh, and then I went to the journalism school, which sent me on the wrong path. But I love the game that much, way more than the Blues, way more than the Rams, yeah. way more than Missouri Athletics, way more than anything now that I'm into golf, way more than golf, any of it. Easily, it's not even close. There were, I don't even know what second place would have been. The Blues in the playoffs was always great. The Rams became a thing for a brief time. But the reason I went to the University of Missouri and was looking at communications and journalism schools, Indiana, Miami, Ohio, 
was because of wanting to be a broadcaster because I loved the Cardinals. Not because I wanted to go call games like in L.A., mm-hmm. but because of the Cardinals yeah, and because of baseball. And for me, it's just not there. Now, maybe it will return. I don't know. Maybe it will return. But if you ask me to bet, I would tell you it won't. Yeah. And I would I would confidently bet that, by the way. It's not just like, ah, yeah, I guess. I'd confidently bet it. And again, I'm coming at it not because of the shift or because of analytics. I'm coming at it from the perspective of people just aren't watching it. And I know I'm talking in St. Louis, and therefore the vast majority of the audience is in St. Louis, where, where it's an outlier because it's a part of the culture of St. Louis. Yeah. But it's just not what it is around the country or North America. It's just, and and it, I, I, I don't know how they're going to change that. Maybe they will be able to change it. Um, which leads me into this next question. Because of a recent change, it may kind of change my answer. Tim, I'm not exactly sure where you are on Eli Drinkwitz. I feel like my position on Eli Drinkwitz is... Uh, been pretty stamped, pretty uh, planted the flag early that... Well, it's been consistent. Yeah, for but, sure. But I I feel like it's like like people like I think they're taking shots when they're like I guess LSU's not going to hire him now and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I wasn't one of the guys saying they're going to be you know that they need yeah. to sign him to an extension, uh, or you know I thought you were super high on Drinkwitz what you know or you know or when he signs Luther Burden we'll see you're down on Drinkwitz I'm like. Why are, Why is my thing with Eli Drinkwitz like the, under the microscope? I don't know. So I will try to, once again, I'm happy to do it, though. But the gentleman starts the email that way. So I will try to, um, my, my read on Eli Drinkwitz is the following. If he were to get Missouri up and going, and it's clearly going to be a project, um, he will go to another school. That was what I thought uh, when he was hired. That is not an indictment of Eli Drinkwitz. For every one Gary Pinkle who wants to stay at a place for as long as possible, uh, including a place like Missouri, which I think we would all acknowledge is not on the same level of your 10, 20 college blue bloods, whoever you would include in that category, uh, there are probably 20 guys who will bounce around. And yeah. we've, we've seen plenty of examples of it. Uh, and there's nothing wrong. I mean, Lane Kiffin might be on his way out of Ole Miss yeah. super quickly, less than two years after getting that job. He got the job right around the same time as Drink- Drinkwitz got his job. Mm-hmm. So th- that is, that's my, that's my read. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. I'm ambitious. I'm not going to fault somebody else for being ambitious. Gary Pinkle was unique. Um, so that's, that's what I'm talking about with regards to that. On the other side of it, I thought I, I was confused by why he at the, at the whether it be at the press conference or after 2020 or heading into this year, uh, he, some fans had this this guy is the guy thing. I have no idea what that's based on. None. I have no idea. I have no idea. I guess what is perceived as perfectly charismatic for 2021 with the social media thing and how he can speak. But just because somebody can speak doesn't mean they can coach. And by the way, just because somebody can't speak doesn't mean they can't coach. See New England, see Tuscaloosa. Although I think he can coach. He just really has no tolerance for no, or can talk. He just doesn't want to do it. So I I don't, I don't, I, I base it on what I see on the field. 
and not necessarily in wins and losses because now, had they not been blown off the field by Tennessee and Texas A&M in particular in those first halves, I'd be, and, and let's say they would have beaten Tennessee and lost to A&M respectably mm-hmm. and not by like sitting on the ball to keep it close. Uh, and they were four and two instead of three and three. I'd be going, I don't think too many people would be too upset. No, because the Kentucky loss every looks week looks good bad. now. Yeah. And BC's and, on the road. And that was so. a, and that was a final minute loss. Yeah. It was, it's the way the Tennessee and A&M games went. Especially Tennessee for me. Oh yeah. But the, the A&M game was kind of like, if you weren't paying attention, you go, oh, well, I mean, that wasn't a tear. It was 35, 14. I mean, you know, Yeah. but if you watched it, you're yeah, going, like, they're sitting on the ball so yeah. A&M doesn't get it back to it keep weird. it close. Yeah, yeah it, was it wasn't weird. weird if you're kind of thinking things. <laughs> so um, that's that's my uh, that's my position on Eli Drinkwitz, which is, I guess, for lack of a better term, not as high as a lot of Missouri fans or I guess some casual Missouri fans were on him and not as low as some Missouri fans or casual Missouri fans are on him now. Also, just because he signed Luther Burden, which is something... Was it, was it me and you talking about this on Friday? I think it was when we were looking for our balls on the right yeah. side of 13. Yeah, balls went a little I don't right. Know why the fuck we were talking about it? Because oh, Skip was talking about it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah, I don't get, like, why some people are, keep saying, I can't believe that he was able to get Luther Burden despite their record. And I, I've, I've continued to say it's the NIL money. Yep. It's got nothing to do with, like, they could be 6-0 and or they could be 0-6. It, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Yeah. And my, from my standpoint, I'm, God, if I could have, and I don't know if we recorded, yeah, we were recorded the, the podcast last week before this, at least I think so. Yeah, because he announced on the, I, he announced the night we did the podcast. Okay, but, he, but we hadn't done the podcast yet is my point, right? No, we did the podcast and he announced later that day. Right, but we hadn't done. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so. We, this is the first time we're talking about it. But if I could have bet that he was going to Missouri, for real, and, and, and then my buddy said, yeah, I think he probably could have if you really wanted to do it. You yeah. could, would have had to go to Las Vegas for it. And you know, yeah. if you got a runner, you can do it. I go, oh, my God, I, I probably would have put, you know, a nice, not like something ridiculous, but it might have been, you know, whatever, doesn't matter. It would have been material. Yeah. For me, material. Uh, maybe for a multimillionaire, not material, but for me, material. Because I, I it was kind of, if you're paying attention, it was obvious. Mm-hmm. From my standpoint, it was obvious. And that's not a compliment or a criticism of Eli Drinkwitz. It's just this is the scene, which gets me to how I was starting this question. Things have changed. And because things have changed, it might change my answer to what this person is asking in this question. Tim, I'm not exactly sure where you are on Eli Drinkwitz. I know you thought the extension talk this summer was unwarranted, and I know about the Sam Bradford comparisons, which I think is right on. And by the way, the Sam Bradford comparison is Rams fans hoping against hope, even with the evidence that they saw that Bradford had to be the guy, because if he wasn't, it meant they were going to have major problems on their hands. Yeah. Uh, But I believe you have mentioned paraphrasing that in X amount of years, Drinkwitz won't have a good name in Columbia because he will either have been unsuccessful or he would have used Mizzou as a stepping stone. That is accurate. That is accurate. That is accurate. That right there is accurate. Uh, But that doesn't mean I'm saying he's going to be a bad coach. I'm saying he's either not going to be successful or he is going to leave Columbia for a bigger job. However, I will explain why that may have changed here. I live in Carbondale, and SIU's football team is currently in the top five in the FCS. Their coach is a local kid who's in his sixth season, his total record's under 500, but what he has tried to build is taking shape. Obviously, FCS is a whole different world than the SEC. 
but I just, a culture change need time. Okay, I think he maybe left out like, maybe I just think a culture change needs time. I feel like maybe Drinkwitz is attempting that. I kind of tune out on college football once I realize Mizzou is not going to have a special season, but I've noticed a lot of Mizzou players have played their last game. Were those injuries or something else? So I guess my question is, do you think there is a possibility of where Drinkwitz doesn't bolt after instant on-field success, probably past that point of instant success, or he isn't canned after not reaching expectations? Uh, a, do you think he would be allowed to mess around being 500 for another two to three years? And B, do you think he should be allowed to mess around 500 for another two years? Well, that makes it easy. My answer to that is yes uh, on the should. Yes, period. Yes, period. My opinion on Eli Drinkwitz needing time was the same as it was going into the season, the same as it was after Tennessee, the same as it was after Texas A&M, and the same as it was after he signed Luther Burton. It's the exact same. Exact same. The only thing that's alarming to me is how bad the first half against Tennessee was and how bad the first half against Texas A&M was. Other than that, you know. As expected. That every, everything's kind of like, and no matter what, especially at Missouri, more so than not Starkville, which shipped Joe Moorhead quickly, and not Knoxville, which I think still thinks it's 1998. Rotating door. You can't have that, man. Yeah, it's weak. I, I, it's lame, and it's it, you're not giving people a chance. No. You, you can't build a culture like that. But in like Baton that. Rouge, you're still going to be able to get yeah. whoever you want. If you have the cachet, it's different. In Columbia, if, the, if a message is sent to an outside party, you are our guy, but you better get it done in two years when you won't have a chance to put your guys in place. Yeah. You're not going to be able to get the best of the best. Definitely. So you got to give Eli Drinkwood's time. You yeah. got to give him. So I, whether he's great or not, give him time. I am consistent on that too. Yeah, especially with the SEC going to be changing with Oklahoma Tech. Hundred percent. You need to have a culture established bef- by that time, and you can't do that if you keep having this rotating door of coaches. Do I think he will be allowed? Was the first question asked by Dave. Um, I think so. I think so. Um, I would, let me put it this way. I'm 75% confident again. You know, you're saying around 500 for another two, three years. Yeah. That's different than, you know, four and eight. That's yeah. different than five and seven. That's different. You know, I mean, theor- theoretically Jackson, they could get to six wins this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess I, you can even put a percentage on, albeit unlikely seven wins. Um, I just, I, I, I'm the Florida situation is, is something to keep an eye it's on. It's fluid. It's definitely fluid. It's there. They and, change. And Arkansas week. is in, you know, not where they were three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, what were they when they played Georgia? Was that what they, were, they were? Do you remember the, what the underdog was? What the, what the, the, under- the total, the number, I think it was 21. Oh, is that all? Is that what it, I thought it was lower maybe, than that? Maybe for some 17, reason. but it was, it was high, but people were all over Arkansas Yeah, or 16. I think the number was 16 I think you're right. Half. I think it was 16. I 16 think you're right. And a half. So if they were to play Georgia now, it'd probably be around 28. Yeah. So that's what I'm getting at there. So Arkansas, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and listen, do I think they're going to be Florida? No, no. I'm, I, I could actually see them losing to three of the four. I mm-hmm. can't imagine losing if they lose now for the record. With Dave's question, if they lose to Vanderbilt, all bets are off on yeah. Eli Drinkwitz. Things change then. I'm just operating on the premise that that is a 99%, not because I'm excited about it. You <laughs> will be there, albeit yeah. maybe you'll be there for like a quarter and then leave because you'll be in Nashville this weekend. But I don't even know if I'll watch a second of it. I guess it depends on the weather and what else is on. But Two o'clock game. Two o'clock game. I mean, I, I guess I'll watch it. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the atmosphere will be dreadful. <laughs> um, yeah. So premise being... 
they could be six and six this year. They could go to a bowl, you know. I mean, that speaks to, yeah. you know, SEMO and North Texas and For Vanderbilt sure. and South Carolina and Central Michigan. Yeah. But with that said, you know, that can happen. Next year, as I've talked about, four of their first six games are at K-State, at Auburn, at home against Georgia, and at Gainesville in the Swamp. I mean, if he's three and three, yeah, you're. I'd be going, that's great news, honestly. Yeah. And then the way they can finish that year, the schedule is, relatively speaking, easy. I mean, yep. hell, what's what's left after that? Tennessee and Kentucky are left, but, you know, I mean, you also have your Vanderbilt, South Carolina, uh, New Mexico State in there. So my, my point is that they truly could um, be 6-6 six and six this year. If I had to bet on it, I would say no. Um, and I would come at that from about a 70% confidence level. But that means 30%. They could. And uh, next year, it sets up that it's going to be rough at the beginning, most likely. But then from a psychological standpoint, and Gabe Yarman was on with us talking about everything is geared towards 2023 for Eli Drinkwitz. Yep. So if you can have the momentum of the second half of 2022 where the schedule lightens up and you yeah. can win five of those six yep. and you have a, you know, seven and five or maybe eight and four year going into 2023, Burden is a sophomore, the quarterback situation, which is a disaster right now yep. uh, is different. Um, you can, you can have some real momentum. Yep. It's a process. Yeah. College football is a process. College football does not flip and you can point it, take your pick. I don't, what's the, what's the biggest surprise of the 2021 season to date? What would you, what would you go with? Oh man, that's a good question. Cause Cincinnati had high expectations. Yeah. Cincinnati was good. Um, man, I guess Georgia being so dominant, maybe. I mean, I mean, as far as a team, like, I think I think it'd be Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, good call. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Kentucky being in the spot they're in, and there's a chance that Kentucky's playing in the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. You know, Kentucky could also be in a weird spot with yeah. one loss if you have a bunch of one loss teams. Yeah. And, and then, if the one loss is at Athens, that that that's just something. I'm not saying it's going to happen, yeah. but just keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Because <laughs> that certainly because. Because that'll kind of be like the Kansas conversation of 2007, where it's like, well, we can't fucking include Kansas. Well, they only lost to the number one team in the country, and they have one loss, but they're Kansas. You know, I mean, Kentucky, it's the same basketball school situation. Uh -huh. They could be sitting there with one loss, and it could be the number one team in the country. Yeah. And everybody else, if there's one loss in there, you're going, Fuck, well, yeah. shit, your losses are worse than, than ours. Take your pick of whatever it is, because I don't know if Oklahoma's going to get through it. I don't know if Oklahoma State's going to get through it. No, they just lost. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, they, they lost to Iowa State. Oklahoma yeah. almost lost to Kansas. Yeah. Cincinnati faded Navy. Uh, uh, Wake yeah. Forest faded Army. Yeah, beat the shit out of them. It's, yeah, it's well, super they, But an Army scored 56 points, you yeah. know. They scored yeah. 70, but, I mean, what in the hell? Yeah, ultimate over. Yeah, right, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, the, it's over, a, the over was lower than Army's side. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy what... And this year is setting up for that. I think it with, is. I think with drink, just to go back to that real quick. I think it's important for his longevity, or at least something to consider, that the AD was hired while he was a coach. You know, so you'd have to think she was brought in partly because she's like she likes Drinkwitz and she wants to. You know, she you wouldn't come to a school an SEC. Now, see, I'll play the devil's advocate that that's not her guy. 
Hmm, that's interesting. Which yeah. I think people now I'm not. But it was By the way, I'm not saying I don't. I don't unless he loses to Vanderbilt, he has nothing to worry about. Yeah. This. From my standpoint, I mean, I didn't see the Mike Schilt thing coming. So listen, it's not like I'm. But from my standpoint, I have no idea. Now he loses to Vanderbilt. Yeah, I'll bet. That, that's that. That's that's a situation. That's a that's a DefCon five thing. That's that's a different deal. I just don't see it happen. They're 17 point favorites. Get stopped by Georgia. It's expected. Yep. Um, you get South Carolina. Lose to Arkansas lose to Florida five and seven. Okay. Yeah. But you yeah. got Luther burden yep. and that, and, and you know, then that's why my answer changes is the, what I, th- where I thought this question was going. Uh, well, he did ask this. So he has three questions. So I guess my question is, do you think there's a possibility where Drinkwitz doesn't bolt after instant on field success? Well, it's not going to be instant now. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not happening far away from instant. So you got to take that out. Uh, oh, and he did. God bless him. Probably passed that point of instant success. <laughs> Fuck me. Nice hosting. <laughs> or he isn't canned after not reaching expectations. On the canned thing, no. I don't. I, I think I, I. I know what I would do. I would give him at least four years. Yep. That's where I am. Yep. Um, that's where I am. With regards to um, if he doesn't bolt, here is where my answer has um, changed. Because Missouri is such a great NIL situation, he may have a higher ceiling at Missouri now than he did when he got the job. Yeah, that's a good point. And if he loves it and is comfortable and then also sees, at the very least, Baton Rouge, I would imagine we'll see another high-profile coach or a high-profile school make a change before the end of 2021. And you know that you don't have as much latitude there. I mean, listen, some of these guys, if you were to read the names of the, you know, the Brady hoax of the world, the Rich Rodriguez in Ann Arbor, um, you know, God, uh, uh, Shula at Alabama, mm-hmm. Mike DeBose at Alabama, any of these Tennessee guys, Derek Dealey, yeah. you know, over the years when they were hired to go to these blue bloods, they were all thought they were going to be the savior. Yeah. And then now, years removed, they're viewed as punchlines. Yeah. Those places don't hire people going, oh, well, this will be the bridge till when we can get... That's not the way that it works. Whoever LSU hires, the people in Baton Rouge and all the fans around Louisiana will expect that person to have them competing in the SEC West in 2022, period. Yep. Period. There will not be a, oh, let's hope Drinkwitz can get a couple yeah, days, a couple no years. There's no buffer year. That's not the way it works. So I think there is value in coaches seeing that, and I think the thing that separates Missouri is NIL. Yep. And that's big, where he can bring guys in locally and may have raised his ceiling, which therefore could increase the chances of him staying if he gets it going and then he doesn't bounce. Gary Pinkle, and the reason I read on him, which wound up being right, was he he couldn't get himself to leave Toledo. Mm-hmm. And he was emotional about it, even when he had been hired at Missouri, that you know to leave his players at Toledo and his program there. He always talked about a program, that he knew that he had to take time to build a program. That's what you got to do. Yep. To me, um, that's not what Eli Drinkwitz is all about. That doesn't make him bad. I always say that. I want to make sure that that just because I'm saying he's not Gary Pinkle, that doesn't mean he's bad. Uh, he's ambitious. I don't think Eli Drinkwitz grew up saying, I want to be the coach of Missouri. I don't think Gary Pinkle grew up saying, I want to be the coach of Missouri. But I do think Gary Pinkle's personality evolved as he aged to going, I don't bounce around. Yeah. And... I'm not sure that that's necessarily even around in college football. You have it in the, to the north in Kirk Ferentz, you know, but where else do you have a guy who's just kind of stayed? Yeah. 
but he hasn't won national championships and he's not in the mix for a blue blood job. It just isn't the way that no. it works. A guy kind of has that going maybe up until he's in his mid fifties and then he's just the guy associated with the program, but he's got to get to his mid fifties before he gets whacked. Yeah. It's far less popular in college football, more so in college basketball, but you got to have some level of success, but in college football, all the best coaches bounce around. Yes. To an extent. And I just, and I just, and I don't think that that for a program, I don't think that that's a good thing, but I listen, I get it. It's more money. It's business. Uh-huh. What happens. And this is why I said the Missouri fan base would eventually change their tune on him. And it happened way quicker than I uh, had anticipated. It took a month, but that, I just expect that he would either be a bad coach and they would be pissed at him or he would kill it. Like if Missouri were 6-0 and right now instead of 3-3, three and three, Eli Drinkwitz would be talked about for the job at LSU, yep. which is exactly what I said at the start of the season. I said, Ed Orgeron is on my watch. James Franklin was on my watch. These are things that have been said on the podcast and on the radio show. And the James Franklin one, I go, I guess that's not going to happen. And then he loses Illinois. And I'm like, well, fuck, James Franklin's on the watch. Live again, yeah. yeah. So James Franklin this time last week was being talked about to go to LSU. Yeah. I can't imagine that's happening anymore. Nope. You know, which is amazing. Yeah. It's you crazy know? how like it's, one. And that's the thing. And that's why I think it's wrong Yeah, because it's a pro a program is a process, which is why, even though I'm not looking at Eli Drinkwitz, like I thought about Gary Pinkle, I still want him to have the same amount of time. Again, if they show up and they lose to Vanderbilt, that's the, to me, that's the only outcome that can happen between now and the end of the year where it changes things materially for him. I guess if they would go down to Athens and beat Georgia, I just feel like that's so asinine to even say with a straight face. Yeah. But other than that, everything else could theoretically happen. They could beat Arkansas. As weird as it's, uh, I'm not expecting them to beat Florida. I would say they beat Florida one out of 10 to 15 times. They, I don't think, I don't know if they beat Georgia one out of a hundred times. Yeah, that'd be a tough. You one. know what I mean? I mean, yeah. that's just at another level. Yeah, Georgia can beat you so many ways. Yeah, I mean, Georgia defensively is LSU twenty nineteen offensively. Yeah, it's just, good, it's yeah. just, it's another level. Yep. Like I think if people are, I see Alabama's better than fifty percent to make the college football playoff, and I'm kind of going, they, they get, they're gonna, they have to beat Georgia. Yeah, it's the only way they get there. Yep. And I just, it'd be as a, as a. Tall, as a yeah, tall I just don't know. I mean, I guess if they can score, just maybe then Georgia doesn't score. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, point being, you lose to Vanderbilt, all hell breaks loose, beats Georgia, that changes the narrative. Other than that, the other four games to me are, you know, they, they can happen. Certainly the Florida and Arkansas, they'll be underdogs. And uh, South Carolina, you know, you would expect them to, to, to win that. So if they beat Vanderbilt... He's back for a third year. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And I think he should be. And I don't even think it's a discussion. I don't, and by the way, I don't know who's saying he shouldn't be. I mean, I'm sure there's some people like on Tiger Board or something, but I'm, but that's the way that it, but I'm saying the NIL thing could change the whole dynamic for what Missouri's ability to keep the super talent in state or in the area. And they include, you know, Eastern Kansas and Western Illinois in the area. So that could change um, the possibility of keeping a coach who gets really successful inside the state lines. Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com. Seth Goldcamp and his staff will take great care of you. Design Air Heating and Cooling is online at designairservice.com. Inevitably, right around October 20th, 
the weather turns and it doesn't turn back. When it turns rough, Design Air Heating and Cooling. Let Seth Goldcamp and his staff take great care of you. DesignAirService.com. And Mark Hanna of Evergreenwell Strategies. Jackson, I always yield to you because you're actually working yeah. with Mark. I work with Mark more as like an advisor. He is actually your guy. Yeah. And so you can tell us why you are a fan. Well, and I think that's what you said there, an advisor, because that's what he is. You know, he advises you. He's not going to just say, here's, here's what you're going to do. This is the best thing for you. He's going to explain it. He's going to teach you. He's going to educate you on what plan or what strategy is going to be best for you for your future. And I think that's really, really important because it gives you so much more clarity. It takes so much stress off of you to understand what you're doing with your money, uh, especially for something so as important as saving for your future. And Mark really, really, really does a great job with educating people, letting them know what their best option is. And he helps people at any stage of life. You know, I'm just getting started. I just got a job, making a little money. He's explaining to me what the best strategies are to save that money. And, uh, you know, not have those worries down the future, but he'll take care of you if you're you know, your 30s, 40s, any stage of life. Mark can help you out because he's so talented and he's such a good person to talk to. I love talking to Mark every single time I talk to him, whether it be calling him for the radio show or just talking to him in general because he's a cool guy and really, really, really good at what he does. So if you don't have somebody, if you're just going to plan on figuring this stuff out later down the road, don't do that. Please don't. Instead, call Mark Hanna, have him take care of you. And if you do have someone already, please consider making the switch because Mark really is that good. 314-889-0503-314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. That's Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right, next question. We're heading to number four. The overhits. The overhits with uh, about 10, 15 minutes to spare. Yep. So we had a conversation on the radio show about the Dave Chappelle special. Yep. That has received hashtag backlash. Mm-hmm. But this is different in the sense that it's not just people on Twitter. Uh, employees of Netflix, not all, but a healthy number walked out in protest over the Dave Chappelle special um, in what they felt were attacks on the trans community. Um, Jackson, you've seen the special. I've now seen the special. Your opinion on the special. I mean, it definitely wasn't his best. I thought he had a clear mission to what he wanted to do that night, and I just didn't think he he didn't win over folks who might be against him, and he didn't, he didn't really play to his base. I mean, I guess he kind of did. It kind of just felt like, and that, but he's done this for a while now where it's kind of been like this fully politically motivated comedy special. And I don't like to criticize that because that's his art. That's what he does. And that's kind of like the whole conversation for me is like, where do we balance what Dave Chappelle truly believes and thinks and where the art begins? Because essentially you can't connect the two or you have to connect the two. It's a tough balance because he could be out there saying what he actually thinks, or he could be out there saying what he knows is uh, what his act is going to be about. And it's a tough, it's a tough balance. I thought some of it was good and more poignant. I thought some was kind of off base. So I, it's, it's tough. I don't get extremely worked up about it, but to be fair, I wasn't, uh, the target of some of the jokes. So I feel like it's unfair to say, well, that wasn't offensive or that was offensive because it really wasn't, uh, addressed to me or, 
what I believe. So what I said about it after watching it, and, and we talked about it for maybe 15 minutes on the radio show, uh, and I think it's important to put this disclaimer out there for where I am, because I think it's a flaw. Mm -hmm. And the flaw is if I see everybody on social media, like getting their likes, like just like that validate me, validate my opinion that didn't just say anything differently than what you just said. And this is not limited to, to just take your pick of whatever social media platform. Um, it, if any, if anything, it speaks to like, from what I think like mental health situations and like the need for validation from strangers. Um, but I, 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 I then default to take the other side, which is not right. Yeah. Uh, it's not 100% wrong, but it's not right to automatically go, well, okay, well, all these people who I think are, you know, looking to get likes from other people are saying it, so therefore I will take the other side. Yeah. Or I am skeptical of their opinion. That is not correct, and that is a flaw I've picked up on on myself here recently. Um, and so, therefore, what is the social media tone on Dave Chappelle's special? Negative. Yeah. So I watch it, and I truly... But I knew it. If I would have just watched it without knowing all the attention, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like watching a movie without reading any of the reviews and you give your honest yeah, opinion. right. Like not knowing it's nominated so for it's an Academy So it's tough Award. because I did know about it going in, which is yeah. one of the reasons why I went into it like, oh, I, I'm anxious to watch it. So I probably went into it with prejudice, knowing my prejudice of being anti-social media echo chambers for sure. and like bait of being like, well, I'm going to support Chappelle, even though what my opinion of Chappelle's specials over the last few, and then also his intellectual property thing, which I thought was, I just thought was wrong. I mean, listen, I, the intellectual property thing was when he wanted to fight for the rights for him to own or for HBO to pay him or whatever the hell it was. I don't know what it was, it, it, the Chappelle show yeah, and that they were streaming it and he got it done. Yep. But the way that it works, whether you be a St. Louis area talk show host or you're the top comedian in the game, you sign away when you're young, things that when you establish yourself, you learn that you don't sign away or you fight for that have nothing to do, by the way, with like your money. You know, any deal I have going forward at this point in my career, I'm going to be way more interested in things other than my base salary. Yeah. Big time. That's, uh -huh. but, but when I was 23, all I cared about was the base and then I'll sign whatever the fuck's in front of me. Yeah. You know, so I felt like, but, but I also understand people on the outside looking in and go, yeah, that's wrong. Well, everybody signs these things and Chappelle was able to get it done, not for everybody, but for himself because of who he is and how much clout he has. So that I, I, I don't want to say I know was misguided, but I think was misguided and I'm pretty confident it was misguided. And then his last couple specials, I've noticed what I would, I, I described as believing his own hype that now he's, it's sometimes what happens with talk show hosts, I've noticed this and you can pick whichever ones you want. Cause I think it's happened both with conservatives and with liberals. Uh, and I'm thinking of three actually, as I'm saying this, but of course I will not be naming the names and, and not all by any means are local. Um, that they do one thing and they start to do it. Well, it has nothing to do with politics. And then they have a following and then they're like, well, now I shall spread my wings and everybody cares about my opinion is on something that I'm completely uneducated about yeah. and I will opine and some people will like it. And then I'll lose a portion of my audience because I'm saying things to piss people off. Some people say, good for you for saying, you know, tell your, tell the, tell it like it is guy. You know, yeah. that's the, the thing. Now, of course you only are told you're only called to tell like it is guy. If you're telling it like that person thinks, thinks yeah. it is it's an yeah. amazing phenomenon about tell it like it is guy. Um, so 
I felt like Chappelle was getting into that realm where it was almost like a sermon than a yeah, I heard a saying. show. Mm-hmm. But he was losing self-awareness. And then for me, I was that's what turned me off. For me, that's what turned me off. Because um, I'm just like, oh, he's, I don't know. I don't know. I don't like a like a guy who was whatever, and now he's like driving like some ridiculous car. You're going, oh, that's not you, man. Yeah, you know exactly that. That's that's what I, not because of what he was saying, because a lot of what he was saying I agreed with. Uh huh. But I'm just like, oh, you're believing your own hype. You know, you're getting into a realm. Yeah. That you know, that isn't what you know. Like I am legitimately interested in certain things, but other things I'm not interested in. So therefore, I know at least I feel like I know not to talk about them because I'll be exposed. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's what I thought about it. So then I watched the special and I honestly didn't think it was as bad as what has been going on on social media. I honestly thought that, but I have to acknowledge going forth that I have this flaw of automatically lining up on the other side of the social media mob. So with that said, uh, we had two emails on it. Uh, hey, Tim and Jackson, I found the Dave Chappelle special funny and I really enjoyed it. But as a straight 35 year old male, it's hard for me on the surface to understand why a trans person would be so offended by his jokes. So I started to think of the jokes I wouldn't find funny. If I was alive in 1942, I don't think I would have found Pearl Harbor jokes funny. If someone would have been making jokes in 2002 about people jumping from the Twin Towers on September 11th, I think most people in America wouldn't have found that funny and probably not funny today. So let's talk today. The trans community is seeing laws passed in states that tell them where they can go to the bathroom and what high school team they can play on. I'd imagine anyone who is being told you don't belong, even though you feel like you do belong, must be feeling a large amount of pain right now. So maybe with all that pain trans people are experiencing right now is the reason any trans joke doesn't seem funny right now. I don't know. It's just a thought. Thanks, boys. That's from Adam. Yeah, I didn't necessarily, see, here's for me. I didn't necessarily find it funny. Yeah, I'm the same way. Okay. I didn't think it was very funny. I just didn't think it was a big deal. So so it's not like I'm like, no, that's funny, snowflakes, what the hell? That's not where I am. I'm just like, ah, you know, I thought it was interesting. And I also saw what I thought was a point. He was trying to make a point. It was a, you know, the special was really about making a point, you know, about how the uh, baby, for example, that was, it wasn't all about the baby, yeah. you know, how he killed someone. Yeah. But his career was flourishing. But then he spoke out and shit on the LGBT community and then he was done. Yeah. And that's, you know, that that wasn't what it was all about. I want to make that clear. But then also about giving people chances, which to me spoke also to the trans community. That's what I, that's how I saw it. Yeah. Clearly I'm in the minority on it. Um, cause I really was going, but that's the thing I was going into it, looking for something. Mm-hmm. And since it didn't seem as bad or bad at all, the, but that's how I go into comedy shows, you know? Yeah. I mean, white people get shit on in comedy shows. I would fall in that cast. Short people. We're like, we're the only people like you left. You can still really joke about not worry about repercussions. I'm, I would be there, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, that's how I approach it. That doesn't mean I'm right or wrong. I'm just telling you that's where I am when I go into watching a comedy show. Yeah. Um, this one was sent in, and it's and I, I, this the Sultan of Duck Butter. I, it just it's so long I can't read it. Um, but he, but it's not it's not off base per se. Um, but it but for the purpose of 
of when you write in, just you got to try to keep it a little, you know, monitor the word count because he makes, he makes, you know, it was, I recall it was a good uh, email, but the overall commentary on the Chappelle special um, is, yeah, I didn't, I was like, this is great stuff. It's hilarious. I just felt like it's a guy continuing doing what he's been doing, which is preaching, but I know that comes with a negative connotation. I'm not intending, but just, you know, he's experienced such ridiculous success and people are talking about him being the greatest of all time, which he then will also talk about. I don't know if he's like joking about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like if Michael Jordan would have been saying I'm the greatest while he was playing with the bulls, I don't know how great that would have been. No, but Muhammad Ali has always, was always talking. Yeah, but I mean, that was, I I get that, but it was almost, that was part of the per, that was part of the show. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was saying, like, it's tough to, differentiate his art between how he actually feels. But Ali, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest. Chappelle's is like, it's like dropped in. Yeah, it's kind of like a little drop in. Here and there. So I don't know, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm uh-huh. just saying, I, just like like I said, it's, it's believing one's own hype. And I, and don't get me wrong, comedians are in awe of him. Yeah. This isn't just a, I've told the story before, I believe, but maybe you haven't heard it of when I was in New York with Artie Lang and he had done a set and we were about to leave and it was me, him and his girlfriend and my wife. And, uh, and I, who was there? God, what's that? Uh, Atel, uh-huh. Susie from Susie yeah, Essman from Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh-huh. Gilbert Godfrey. They're wow, all in the room. Geez. Yeah. Uh, and we're leaving. Me, Artie, and uh, Anna Marie, and, and his girlfriend at the time. And we're gonna go get dinner before we go do our show, our uh-huh. radio show. And as we're walking out, you can hear the the announcer go, "Ladies and gentlemen, a surprise tonight here at Gotham City Comedy Club or Gotham Comedy, whatever the hell it's called. Jerry Seinfeld." And Seinfeld just was there to try out some material. And Artie, who, you know, obviously, this is 2013, was well-known throughout the country, yeah. mainly as a stern guy, but also he had his own successful career as a comedian, stops and he goes, we got to go back in there. You know, so we're in there and I'm watching Artie, Attell, yeah. Gilbert Gottfried, and Susie Essman, Susie from Curb Enthusiasm, yeah. just they stop to watch the only other guy that I think would be put in that class right now and maybe not even right now, I don't know, but certainly at a time for his esteem is Jerry Seinfeld. They're watching because they recognize there's the gap. And yeah. I think Chappelle, I think right now has that, Yeah. like whatever he's going to do. Yeah. I think part of the draw for me, at least with Chappelle was how effortless it seemed and how good he was when he just kind of, it was like effortless how good he was. And these recent ones have definitely seemed like there's more preparation and effort throw. And I'm not saying like, Oh, you, you tried, so it sucks, but you get you know, like, it was effortless. He would just go up there and talk shit. And that's what was funny. Right. And these have seemed like they're like, we're taking a stand on political issues. Yeah. And I listen, that's fine. God bless. I mean, C- Carlin did it before politics were like a mm-hmm. hot button thing. Yeah. By the way, Adderall sessions, I was thinking, I don't even know why I was thinking it. I have no idea what made me think of watching the blues game. Um, and I watched it. I watched the Saturday night game Sunday morning. That the fact that the Blues, which you probably don't even know, considering you thought Patrick Waugh was in goal in 2019, still do. That in 2008, in October, the Blues had Sarah Palin drop the puck before one of their games. And look at you as a 23-year-old. Look at me like I'm telling you about something that happened in the 1700s. That's wild is that it, it, it's a hundred percent true because manny wild. legacy who is their goaltender yeah, I remember him. tripped over the carpet okay i remember that video yeah 
and injured himself. Can you imagine in 2024, I don't give a damn who it is. Yeah, if Kamala Harris is on the ticket, vice president, president, whoever, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whoever, male, female, whatever. I don't, the point being any presidential, vice presidential candidate, can you imagine that happening? No, no shot. Okay. No We're shot. on the same page there. And I, and I got better insight into it. Like your reaction as I was telling the story, it was like, you used to do that? Yeah. And it was 13 years ago and it absolutely happened. And by the way, I'm not saying, because nobody, I was there. Because uh-huh. I remember, I don't know what it was that, oh, I was watching people because the blues have, you know, kind of like they turned over to the crowd to sing the national anthem. The, the, the artist begins singing and then they go to the crowd. Yeah. And some people are singing and some people, everybody's standing. And I remember I was thinking, you know, I, to me, Sarah Palin was the beginning. Now I'm sure other people would point to other things. I know other people would point to other things. If you're, if you're conservative, you'd go, what are you talking about? You know, or you might've gotten on that. She was great. But to me, that was the beginning that normalized batshit. Yeah. That that's as concise as I can be normalized ignorance and batshit. And it was like, it's fine. And even normalized ascension on a ticket and, a landmark moment in American political history for my for my money. With that said, and I was so against her from the beginning because of the normalization of the bat shit and the ignorance, not ever seeing what was coming. And I remember, I think we might have been talking about the radio show, which is also amazing now to say that. <laughs> uh, and I said, yeah, no, I'll, I, I will stand, but I will not applaud, you know? Yeah. And that's how I handled it, which... You know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know. I, I, it, it wouldn't happen now. So it's tough to like go, what would you do now? Yeah, exactly. You know, but that's just not the way that it would, it would work. But yeah, that did happen. And I, yeah, I was looking at people singing the national anthem and like a lot of people were singing this, maybe we're standing. I don't think that was a protest. Some people no. just don't sing. I didn't yeah. sing in the 1980s. I wasn't <laughs> protesting the contra hearings. You know, I just wasn't singing. So, yeah. um, just a, just a little brief aside. Yeah. No fun facts for no intel. The more I think about it, when I was at, it was a, Illinois Mizzou bragging rights game and they panned to Claire McCaskill because I guess it was like oh, the idea. how'd that go? It was, yeah, I was, and people were booing. I was yeah. like, I was like, this is kind of strange and now I couldn't imagine like they would showing Josh Holly or no, somebody like they that. They wouldn't, well, he'd get cheered wildly, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but I hear it just saying like it, yeah. they wouldn't do it. Right. Which is, you know, and that was only, that was probably 2012. So it was like, you know, yeah. and it's just how things change. Oh man, I'm telling you. So, um, and by the way, at the very end, as we wrap up. So we got four in. Overhit. Yeah, the overhit. I would have gone higher on the over. So the three and a half number was a nice number by really Vegas. Nice, yeah. Um, have you watched, did I ask you about this or did I ask Rocky about this? The Capital thing? The HBO Capital thing. I haven't watched it yet. Major recommendation. I recall it wouldn't have been as controversial at the time when I did recommend it. I believe 2006 the film United 93. Uh-huh. Have you watched that? You no. being a film connoisseur. Really? Mm-mm. Wow. That stuff like, uh, it's it, that's like tough for me sometimes to watch stuff. Even though you probably don't remember September 11th. No, but like real life stuff like that, like is always like, it, it is. It took me a while to get into around to some of those things. That are, still, like, if it's on, and it isn't on often, which is, I guess probably because it's like, you gotta, yeah, it's, you have to be in a state of mind going into it. It's not a movie you can pick up in the middle. No. Uh, and I remember telling the audience, I said, it was, it's, it was unlike any other theatrical experience I had, because I saw it in a movie theater, uh-huh. the intensity, the sadness, the anger, 
when they charge the cockpit as they show it in that movie, and of course it's an interpretation of what happened. Yeah. I mean, I know you can't like play it at a sporting event because it's sacred. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing, like if somebody would have said, you run through this wall right now, I would have run through the wall yeah. with them. I mean, it the is so yeah. intense. As I said, pack a lunch for it. Yeah. And movies like that where you know it happened in real life. is like. But the way they were able to yeah. capture it and when they finally attack the guys, you know, in response, oh. I recommend it, but I recommend it with the caveat. Yeah. It's, you got to, I mean, you, this isn't one that you got to, you got to be in the right state of mind for it because yeah. it'll, it's going to get you. Yeah. And if it doesn't get you, I don't know how it doesn't get you unless yeah. maybe you're so young that you don't have the recollection of September 11th. I don't know, but um, I don't think you have to be around for Pearl Harbor no. to have that, you know, get you. So with that said, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what Jackson. I, I had no idea that it was even done mm -hmm. and it's all, it's not like, it's not like, it, I mean, I guess I suppose in 2021, somebody can go fake news or it's fake or something. It's all, <laughs> it's, it's all, footage, right? it's footage. Yeah. but fuck, I mean, like I said, yeah, it's shit. so at this moment, it, it not, nothing can surprise me. I'll probably yeah. get an email from somebody. Well, yeah, you might not know this. It's something, it, 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 it's something else. Okay. I, I would, I would, in a way recommended at the same time I was so despondent yeah after watching it yeah I was upset as hell watching that stuff no I I, I was certainly was on January 6th yeah that's what I was talking about but this for me this stuff it takes it to another level okay. because you're actually seeing it yeah and I mean I don't I don't even know how somebody could come away from it otherwise but I know that it happens I yeah, mean, I, I, we're actually somehow you know, litigating. Is it like one, is it four parts or is it like, no, a, it's a, it's a 90 minute, I think approximately, or maybe an hour and 40 minute show. All right. I'm gonna check it with, out with, with, you know, with conversations with people who, you know, charged the Capitol, but the video, uh, a number of them too. I mean, a number of them, not just like one, you know, uh, but with the security as well with police officers, DC police officers, uh, you know, I, I remember hearing a story about, one guy who the crowd got and he was only able to, you know, he said he was only able to save his life or someone said he was only able to save his life because he said, I have a family, I have kids, I have kids. And you hear that. And my analogy, and I hope people can follow where I'm going with this. You hear things about domestic violence, for example, and it's awful. I don't know who disputes that, but then you see the Ray Rice video and then it becomes yeah. different. Yep. Well, they have the video of the moment the crowd gets this guy. Ugh. And you can and and he has a body cam. So you hear him scream thinking he's gonna get killed. Yeah. I have kids, I have a family, I have a family. Um thinking he's just gonna be like swallowed by this that's brutal. Yeah. Uh it's just it's I don't I obviously did, intentionally didn't talk about it on the radio. Yeah. Um, but here in this little world, I'll talk about it is, I, I, I don't, and I, I haven't heard anybody talk about it. I didn't yeah. even know that. I didn't even know they had done it. When you said, when you asked me if I'd seen it, I was like, I never even heard of it before. It just was on at like eight o'clock, uh, on HBO. And I'm like, is this what it's, what I think it's about? Yeah. And so I'll, okay, I'll, I'll, 
I'll watch it. I started maybe 15 minutes in, so I've got to watch the beginning, yeah. but I almost don't want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why like when you asked me, I was like, I thought about it. I was like, man, I really don't want to revisit that, but I'm going to fire, I'm going to fire it up and watch it. Cause I, I, uh, there's some stuff that like, you just like, you need to revisit. So like you remember what's, like, you can never like forget stuff like that that happened. You know, I, I, we would have, I mean, I think the appreciation for September 11th for people, I was 24 when it happened mm-hmm. were is, is couldn't be higher when I was 24. It's got to be a different, when you hear about it, different thing for you. You were three. Yeah. So it's a different deal. But if everybody had phones like we do now, then I can't imagine that they would have been, they would have been pulling because it would have had people jumping. That was, that's what you would have had. I mean, there was video of people jumping, but it's cameramen and they wouldn't follow, they couldn't follow all the way to the ground. You would have that and it would be brutal. Yes. Yeah. So that in that sense is a good thing. This, you know, is not that to be Uh, crystal clear. Um, but like to see it, yeah, to hear it, to actually see what you read about, it's it's unbelievable. I I, I don't know why it's not getting more attention. Yeah. But but at the same time, I I've like I'm totally off of the social media political thing, so maybe it is getting talked about. So I have no idea. But holy shit! And, and yet I and I'd be curious, like if I'm trying to think, take your pick of whatever. Who who like would say, well yeah, but you know what what's the yeah but if one has seen it. I'd be curious because I know it's there. Yeah, it's. But it, I don't know what it would be. The, and it, it's by it's, this. I'm not saying this to like. This, there's there's zero agenda behind it, even though whatever I know that that probably for some maybe thought it's, it's, stunning. Yeah. It's it's it stopped me in my tracks. I almost didn't want to keep watching it. And it just drove home what was what was going on inside of there, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I mean, I didn't realize it. I didn't. I just didn't didn't realize it. It. it so I, it's a recommendation, but it's not a like. No, it's not like you recommend the Irishman. No, it's uh, it's a recommendation of if you're going to watch it, I'd love for it to get your opinion. Uh huh. But pack a lunch yeah. because this is unlike uh, anything. Yeah, I gotta check that out. That. Yeah, I I I don't I don't know I don't know I don't know why it hasn't got more attention. But then at the same time, I'm so withdrawn yeah. that maybe it is, and I'm just <laughs> withdrawn. So it's I'm not finding out that it's got a lot of attention. All right, uh, it's titled. I believe it's called Four Hours in the Capital. Okay. Um, with that, it's time to shut down the uh, fun and games for today. Thank you to all of our sponsors: thehomeloanexpert.com, James Carlton, uh, Munganess, StLouisAccurate.com, AltonToyota.com, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com. For Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.